Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. So the cuckoo, when most people think of that, they they envision the uh, you know the wooden figurine that pops out of a clock from their childhood. But in reality, so cuckoos are real birds, and they're brood parasites, which means that they take advantage of the generosity of others without making any useful return. Okay, well, that's some very interesting information, but how does it relate back to our lives and relate back to God? Well, today's guest is going to share that with us. We're joined today by Andrea Anderson-Polk. She is a licensed professional counselor. She's come up with something called the cuckoo syndrome. And today in Connections, she's going to help us fend off those cuckoos, such as unhealthy relationships, toxic thinking, and self-sabotaging behavior, so that we can find our identity in God and discover new purpose, vision, and meaning in our lives. Our guest today is Andrea Anderson-Polk. She is a licensed professional counselor as well as an author. So, Andrea, you are a counselor. You're also an author. And the title of your book kind of caught our eyes, The Cuckoo Syndrome. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, Tell us a little bit, though, because it's tied to the book, how you became a a counselor. Sure. Well, I would say my personal healing coincided with my parents' divorce. This was decades ago, and it, it led me down a journey of personal growth and counseling. And because of the healing and freedom I received, I wanted to help others experience the same. So I pursued an educational and career path to become a licensed professional counselor. What's been your favorite part about being a counselor? I absolutely love when my clients experience a breakthrough and an aha moment. My passion is helping them uncover hidden spiritual, psychological truths, because I really believe that what we can name, we can heal. So being able to help give them a name for their suffering, uh, which is where the cuckoo syndrome, the book came in based on the metaphor. We, we can dig into that a little bit later. Um, but it's that moment where um, the truth sets them free. And a lot of people don't know the truth. They have trouble facing the deepest truths of their life because they're afraid or they don't have the tools to deal with it. So that moment where they experience um, freedom and a genuine transformation um, and co-creating that change with them and with the Holy Spirit is just the best feeling on earth. Can you tell us a little bit about the cuckoo syndrome then? It's the name of your new book. Like, is this based off of cuckoo clocks, cuckoo birds? Are cuckoo birds real even? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Yes. Uh, so the cuckoo, when most people think of that, they they envision the uh, you know the wooden figurine that pops out of a clock from their childhood. But in reality, so cuckoos are real birds, and they're brood parasites, which means that they take advantage of the generosity of others without making any useful return. So in a nutshell, I'll I'll explain what happens in nature and then um, how that helped me in my own life with a relationship with a close family member and and how that really translated into this metaphor that's helped 
my clients in clinical practice. So in nature, uh, a female cuckoo bird is very sneaky and manipulative. Um, cuckoo birds are essentially nature's infamous uh, imposter, um, deceiver, and manipulator. So she'll hone in on a, a host nest. For example, I'll just use a robin, but it could be any species of bird. And she'll notice when the, the robin parents lay their egg and leave the nest. And in about 30 seconds, she'll swoop in and lay an egg in the host nest that looks nearly identical to the robin eggs, for example. So she has this built-in DNA egg mimicacy which allows her to do that. So she flies off and just sort of dumps her, um, you know, responsibilities into the nest of these robin parents who come back and they sit on the egg. They think it's theirs. And then the cuckoo bird hatches first, which is another part of its DNA and the way it's wired. And it'll immediately and instinctively kill the other eggs in the nest. So it'll either peck them to death or while it's still blind and featherless, it'll use its wings and, and knock the eggs out of the nest so they fall oh to, the, to the ground and die. It's terrible. So, um, and then the cuckoo chick has this insatiable appetite where it just exhausts the host parents. They spend their life feeding this thing and it doesn't even belong to them. And then sadly, their own eggs never hatch and come to life. So I was reading about this in my quiet time one morning, and I was looking at a picture of it on the internet and of this sort of grotesque big cuckoo chick and these poor host parents that are being swallowed by it. And I thought, gosh, you know, I, I was really navigating this relationship with a close family member um, that had, I, like I said, I've been through healing and counseling, forgiven this person, had compassion. I understand why they did the things they did. Um, even sort of let go of expecting a genuine apology or for them to take responsibility for their actions because I didn't want to sever the relationship. But I looked at this picture and it was the first time I had compassion on myself and realized, gosh, I'm in this cuckoo relationship you know this like one-sided relationship where I feel like I'm doing all the work and I'm just getting swallowed up by this person's needs and unmet expectations and yeah I've really sort of lost myself like my eggs my purpose isn't really hatching and coming to life because I'm trying to please the insatiable appetite of this other person and their ego. So it, it gave me the breakthrough aha moment I needed. And so I laminated the picture I found on the internet, brought it into my counseling sessions and had so many clients who were in the similar type of cuckoo dynamic where they were stuck and hurt and confused, sort of had this invisible suffering. And, you know, it could be um, a parent, a spouse, a colleague, a friend, um, significant other, even a pastor or a mentor. So being able to give them language um, was really freeing. What's interesting to me about this cuckoo syndrome is that like the cuckoo bird, it can take on many disguises. So there's the fear cuckoo, the stress cuckoo, the shame cuckoo. It goes on and on and on. Where do we even start with this and understanding the cuckoo syndrome as a whole? That's a great question, Colleen. There, 
the, so the cuckoo syndrome, for example, you know, it could be these one-sided relationships where, um, you know, you're doing the one, you're the one who's doing all the work and you're, and you're sort of hosting this dynamic based on your own woundedness, fears, that sort of thing. And it could also be self-sabotaging behaviors um, like perfectionism, stress, um, you know, being in fear, um, shame. So there's all sorts of what I call self-inflicted cuckoos where we're feeding the insatiable appetite of our own ego or where, you know, it could be our toxic thinking patterns. So there, there's a whole host of different ways the cuckoo syndrome can show up. Um, and the, 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 the number one signal to me that somebody is dealing with a cuckoo dynamic in their life is they'll say, you know, Andrew, I just don't know who I am anymore. I feel like I've lost myself. Um, because whether it's a sort of a self-inflicted, self-sabotaging behavior or a relational dynamic with someone else, um, they've sort of neglected and abandoned their their own eggs, their, their purpose in their life, um, mm. you know, because the more you feed something, the more it grows, depending on the person and what their struggle is. I, I really like this metaphor. Like I can stop and I can look in my life and see where the cuckoos have been in my life or where I've been a cuckoo even. Uh, but then at the same time, I get like this tinge of Christian guilt because I shouldn't think that way about people and I should be filled with grace for them. So how do we balance that out? Mike, I love that question. You know, when when Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, a lot of Christians, like you were saying, they they don't realize that they're not loving themselves. You know, they've disconnected from their heart, okay. from their needs, what they want, what they think, what they feel, because they've developed this sort of false teaching around, you know, well, you know, you should just lay your life down for other people. That's the Christ-like thing to do. Uh, and then they don't realize they, you know, you can become resentful and struggle with anxiety or, you know, enable somebody else's dysfunction or you know, enter into sort of a codependent dynamic where you're trying to save the other person or like being the Holy Spirit in that other person's life. So I, you know, I help my clients understand if you feel, you know, guilty and selfish for really focusing on yourself, that's just a sign you're moving in the right direction of healing. Because it, it is foreign to us, like you said, to focus on ourself. Yeah, as you were speaking there, I was just thinking, Oh, maybe I should, um, I don't know, hmm, I got to think as a theologian here, but it's like maybe I should change that verse to love myself as I love my neighbors because I am I feel like I'm pretty good at loving others, but I'm not very good at loving myself a lot. So, Yes, that, that is really powerful how you, how you described rearranging that verse, you know, because when we are connected to ourself and we know who we are and what we want, we're much better able to love other people and like I said not get into unhealthy dynamics with them and not take on the role of you know the Holy Spirit and then also um, you know it just creates more of an authentic relationship between two people when you both know who you are and one person's not taking advantage of the other person or trying to rescue the other person.
One thing you say in your book is that you can't grow spiritually beyond your emotional immaturity. What do you mean by that? So I've noticed that many of the problems that my clients come to counseling to address, for example, depression, anxiety, stress, relationship difficulties, are are rooted in the ways they have learned to fear or avoid their emotions. And, you know, especially in our churches and faith-based communities, we're, we're really taught about our thought life, you know, taking thoughts captive and our behaviors, you know, conviction, those types of things. But when it comes to emotions, I've found that there can be a lot of false teachings around emotion and faith. Um, For example, a lot of my clients come in with believing that emotions are not from God, emotions are sinful, emotions should be ignored, They're not relevant to your spiritual life or emotion means you lack trust in God or they prevent you from following his will or they're an obstacle to faith and you need to be disciplined and controlled. And while it's true that we don't want to be um, dictated to by our emotions, they're still indicators because if you look at the research of emotion, There are biological realities that occur automatically in your brain and body. So it's not they're right or wrong, good or bad. They're just there. And God created us with emotion. So I help people understand that, you know, emotions are something that God uses to speak to us. You know, God is emotional. I'm sure, Mike, you know, there's so many scriptures that describe the emotions of of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, you know, especially the Psalms. And so I've seen one of the enemy's greatest tricks is to shut us down emotionally um, because it, it's really difficult when you're stuck emotionally to grow spiritually and have you know authentic intimacy and in a personal relationship with Christ when you're not aware of these very powerful signals that God created us with that contain a lot of truth about who we are, who he is and who others are. That makes a lot of sense. Like I know that like, if you're not emotionally mature, you can't grow in relationship with your spouse, let's say, right. And that provides a lot of problems, but I've never really thought about emotional maturity and, and spirituality tied together too. I love that insight. Thank you. Well, it's, it's been really helpful for my clients and in my own life, you know, and, you know, I can tend to get, you know, angry and, you know, realize something powerful that, you know, anger is, is a gift. And I have a chapter in the book um, about that and how it's really a protection against these cuckoos because, you know, you could be angry and not sin. And a lot of people bury their anger and it can come out in rage or even anxiety and depression. But, um, you know, anger is an emotion that it's designed to be externalized and released off of us to help us set a boundary and have a voice in relationships. So we're not being used or taken advantage of And also just so we're in touch with you know, who am I and what do I really want? So even anger, I found, is, is a really important emotion that a lot of people tend to bury. Um, in your book, you discuss the shame cuckoo and you differentiate between the voice of shame and the voice of conviction uh, when talking about sin and repentance. Can you talk a little bit about that and explain that to us? Sure. I, I write about it because I have so many clients who 
are struggling with shame. And you know, Romans 8 1 says there's no guilt and condemnation for those who are in Christ. And a lot of people carry around this guilt that leads to shame. I think especially in our Christian communities, um, I can certainly relate to this, that when some sort of issue is exposed in my life, I think, gosh, I really need to work on that. Um, Instead of feeling ashamed and trying to sort of fix it outside of my relationship with God, I've learned that you know, the, 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 Jesus never comes to us and says, this is what's wrong with you. He says, this is what's missing in your relationship with me. And I want to give you something better. So he sort of gently comes along and convicts us, which is supposed to be a joyful experience instead of this sort of shame-based, guilty place. And when I was studying this, Romans 2, 4, it says God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. I'm I'm a real geek. I love to get into the Greek words. (laughs) And the Greek word for kindness means a goodness, a sweetness of disposition, a gentleness in dealing with others. So it's not a shame place when God is convicting us. It's this sort of gentle, like, let's look at this issue in your heart. Let's talk about this and bring that to me and Let me help you and replace it with something better or something that's missing in your life. You know, like thinking about the woman at the well, you know, the Lord approaches us in that way instead of looking at everything that's wrong with you. So um, so to bring it full circle, you know, conviction is rooted in love and shame is rooted in, in fear. Very interesting. In your book, you also talk about the religion cuckoo. And you make a distinction between religion and relationship. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yes. So a lot of, I've seen a lot of churches and faith-based communities can operate in this place of uh, toxic religion. So not all religion is toxic and hurtful. But when I make a distinction between religion and relationship, I think of relationship in terms of that intimacy with Jesus and being able to come to him and bring our emotions to him Um, back to what I was saying about the conviction experience. Whereas religion, um, when it's used to hurt people, it's, it's more of the rules of religion, um, elevating man-made rules above the relationship. We're using scripture and the law to try to control people or justify wrong behavior. Um, You know, I, I think there's still this, sort of Pharisee, Sadducee, religious spirit that can operate in our churches and faith communities today. Yeah, big time. (laughs) Yeah. And so I love the scripture, Matthew 15, 8 through 9, where Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So, you know, I, I believe Jesus is after our heart not a system of rules. And, you know, this this religious spirit, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they love the law more than they love Jesus. So I've seen that be quite hurtful to people. Uh, I feel like we could do a week-long episode with you. <laughs> but uh, we can't, unfortunately, due to time constraints. 
I am excited to read this book. Tell us how we can get our hands on it and tell us, Andrea, where we can find you and follow along with you. I know not only do you have the book too, but you've got podcasts and things like that. So, yes, and I would I would love to do another episode, um, Mike and Colleen, about the religion cuckoo. That's actually the chapter in the book that has helped people the most and given them a language to this invisible wound that they carry. Um, but yes, it's a one-stop shop. It's everything you can find on my website. It's andreaandersonpolk.com, uh, where to order the book, uh, blogs, podcasts, everything you need to know is right there. I know I'm never going to look at the cuckoo uh, the same way ever right. again after this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Call Lord, me. why did you make this cruel and clever bird? You know, I guess the right? nature can be violent. <laughs> yeah. They just show, fall the like yeah the state of the fallen world it applies to everywhere right so <laughs> so, so I, true I'm gonna buy us a cuckoo clock Colleen to remind <laughs> us not to let people manipulate us and yeah yes, that's a great idea thank <laughs> thank you Andrea idea. thank you Andrea so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.